0: chapter 18 of the escape of a princess pat by george pearson this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by mike vendetti mikevendetti.com september 5th stopped raining and a little warmer got our clothes dry once more cover in a wood outside a small town Going last night good, after we had crossed another peat bog, meals, milk, baked potatoes and apples. Hope to reach the river tonight. Bad feet, best of health otherwise. September sixth. No rain and warmer, heavy dew, fairly good going. Best of cover, had a fire, pretty comfortable, milk, potatoes, apples. September seventh. Still fine weather, very poor cover in hedge. Good road to go on. Made pretty good time last night. Feet feeling better running out of tobacco, otherwise in the best and, still hope, the same. Meals, potatoes, and beets. We spend a great deal of time discussing ways and means of adding to our stock of tobacco. Any smoker knows what it is to want the weed. Consider, then, our half-famished, wet, and utterly weary condition. It was a real necessity to us. We discussed waiting at the roadside until a man with a pipe appeared, when we should rob him. We dismissed that as too hazardous. It would be necessary to kill him, and that seemed a bit thick for a pipe of tobacco. So we did the only thing that was left to do, cut down our already scanty rations of tobacco, and took scrupulous care to smoke to a clean ash every vestige of each heel of old pipe. But in spite of that, our supply became exhausted. September 8th. Lovely weather today. Good going last night in Small Swamp good cover in a forest on the banks of the ems. We will try to cross to-night, meals, potatoes, and mangles. Our final try for liberty. Feel good for it. We arrived at the river at two o'clock in the morning. Two played out to attempt the crossing then. We retraced our steps to a potato field, dug some of the tubers, when daylight came, lit a fire, and roasted them. We were in a dense forest of young trees, so that by lighting the fire before the mist lifted, the latter hid our smoke. We remain unperceived, though we could hear voices and footsteps on every side. September ninth swam the river and two canals, crossed a large swamp. No rain, but very cold. Think we are over the border, very poor coverage in a hedge, wet to the skin, clothes got soaked, but in best of spirits, and confident. We went down to survey the river shortly before dusk and found it both broad and swift. We went back again and tore a gate from its hinges, carried it five hundred yards down to the river, and then stepped for the crossing. The gate was not big enough to carry us, but answered for our clothes. Simmons swam ahead, guiding it, while I shoved from behind. We made the crossing without mishap, but straightway fell into one of the worst experiences of the entire trip. We plunged into a swamp, which took us five hours to get through. There were moments when we all but gave up and thought we should never get out. At times we sank in it up to our waists, particularly after leaping at the numerous tufts of grass, which seemed to promise a footing that they never realized and which sometimes sent us in it to the armpits, so that we were sure we were doomed to be sucked down for good in the filthy mess. The fearful odor that our plunging around stirred up, naturally aided our nerves imaginings and it was undoubtedly the worst trial we had yet met with on our journey i cannot convey the black despair which took possession of our hearts at the seeming hopelessness of all our efforts to find firm footing or a break in the landscape which might indicate a change in the nature of the country a light voice anything that would help to lift from our hearts the feeling of utter isolation from all human assistance and the seeming certainty that a few bubbles would be the only indication that we had struggled here. The darkness of the night intensified these thoughts. The rain did not matter. In fact, it helped, for we were covered with the worse-than-water of the morass. We looked at one another. We dared not speak. Anyhow, to do so was not our custom at such times as these. But each knew. A dull anger took possession of us at the thought of so an inglorious an end after all we had suffered to attain our freedom. With a prayer in our hearts we cast ourselves forward and somehow, sometime, found at last that we were safe and so flung ourselves down in our stinking clothes to lie like dogs in a drunken stupor that reeked not of time or of our enemies. We discovered an apple orchard here in which the fruit was ripe all the apples we had up to date had been of the small and green variety and even they with the occasional milk represented all of luxury so that it seemed indeed the food of the gods we proceeded to fill up and after eating all that we thought we could we refilled our pockets until they bulged and started off each carrying an armful of fruit at every step we dropped some we stopped again and ate our surplus to make room we refused to lose any of them we came to a river stripped tied our clothes up in a bundle and proceeded to swim across shoving the clothes ahead i lost control of mine and they sank i dived repeatedly in the darkness before i found them the cargo of apples in the pocket made a bad matter worse i should rather have drowned than to have lost my apples the possible loss of the clothes worried us very little We had already decided in that event to waylay some German Michael rather than to go naked into Holland. However, by alternately dragging the bundle behind and swimming on our backs with it held high on the chest with one hand, we made the crossing, apples and all. We were sitting in the shadow, preparing to dress and wondering whether we were really over the border and if we could safely walk around when we heard men walking towards us. We knew them to be Germans, by the clank of the hobnailed boots, which all our guards had worn. We had not a stitch on, and our hearts were our mouth. The patrol of six men stopped within five yards of us, and then passed on, within five feet, and did not see us. We dressed quickly and went on, only to find a canal, for which we had to strip again. Arriving at the other side, we dressed in the shadow of the bank, crawled to the top, and plunged through the heather on to a road which we had almost crossed, when there came a cry of HALT! The patrol must have been standing in the trees where we had broken out from the heather, and very quietly, too, for we had lain for five minutes to make certain that all was safe. Evidently we were on or near the border, if the number of patrols was any indication. We were not certain whether these were Hollanders or Germans. We made one big buck jump. Fire, Gridley, when ready. I left the entire knee of one trouser leg on a clutching thorn, but the patrol did not fire. And then another canal. I'm fed up with swimming to-night. So am I, agreed Simmons. There are houses over there. There must be a bridge. We slunk along the bank and, to our joy, found a small bridge. We dashed across it and debouched safely into the tiny village. Here we saw a difference, especially in the houses and the roadway. It was in the very atmosphere, a result, no doubt, of instincts made keen by the haunted lives we had led, on either side of the field, stretched out, crisscrossed by a perfect network of small canals and ditches, which also served as fences. We knew we were in Holland. End of chapter 18